Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Hello, everyone. We're back, finally, after longer than we thought. Yeah, a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah, a little bit of a hiatus. My bad. My bad, y'all. We're both busy. Um, It ended up that I wouldn't have been able to do last week either, anyway, because I had a work meeting. I had to be out in the evening, so. Yeah, um, it is unlike a lot of the rest of the work world, um, December is a very, very busy time for my industry. Um, and speaking of my industry, I don't think anybody listens to this that will be applying to college this year, but here's your insider info. That's half joke, half not joke. Um, when you're writing your college applications and you're filling out those little short answers, all I'm going to say is this, perhaps consider, just think about thinking twice before you loudly and proudly discuss who your favorite teams are. Oh, really? And I, Is that impacting how you're admitting people into college? No, it's not. But it's a little irksome <laughs> when I see some bad takes. AKA probably Liverpool. A little too much mention of Old Trafford is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, I'm and it's tackling. actually not just, and I don't just mean... And I don't just mean soccer, actually, because you know who I saw way too many times? What? Tom fucking Brady. Oh, that's okay. That's Shut the worse. fuck up about Tom Brady. That's worse. Listen, listen. So all I'm worse. saying is you don't know who's reading your applications, okay? You don't know what they're a fan of. Maybe you don't talk such a big game about who you like a lot. You can, you can talk about liking the Premier League without having bad takes. Um, I think the Tom Brady one is actually worse. Yeah. Yeah. Also just like he doesn't even play anymore. So like so let's let it on. go. I've spoken by two true Eagles fans on this podcast. Uh, um moving on. Anyway, that was not serious advice. Um, but no one's gonna listen to it anyway, so it's not gonna matter. It's fine. I'm just you know. All right, should we talk some actual real football instead of fake football? Yes, uh... we can. Um, okay, we're gonna start with the Premier League. We have two sets of weeks, weeks game, game weeks, weeks to talk about, and then we'll talk about Champions League. Yeah, we so we know things. You know we'll have missed a week, uh, at least one game week. Um, my brain is too fried to remember what happened before about five days ago. So, um, it I just want to also is. say for the sake of this podcast, this is caught giving up the chance to talk about Liverpool and Man City tying one one. So wow, the reality, as I told Rachel beforehand, is I quite literally don't remember enough about the game to like make any sort of. In in your defense, wasn't it at like seven thirty a.m. the Saturday? It was. After Thanksgiving? It, it was at so. seven thirty a.m. the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I did get up and watch the whole thing. Me too. Um. My was that that no, it was it this past weekend. I think that Tom Brady was speaking of Tom Brady was at the Manchester City game. I knew yeah, we were not gonna win as soon as that happened. It was making me I tweeted it. I tweeted it actually. I said as soon as I saw that man on on city socials, I knew we weren't gonna win. Um 
anyway, I, I, I can sort of vaguely touch on the city of Liverpool in the grander scheme of talking about city because there's some things to discuss where city is concerned. But um, I don't remember enough about the specifics of that game to, to be helpful. Um, so we're going to start with this past game week. Um, this past weekend, the first weekend in December. Um, kind of crazy that we're in December already, but we're just out here. Um, we are just out here. Yeah. So if we go all the way back uh, to December 2nd, which feels like a long time ago, but actually not that long ago, um, Saturday <sighs> game, um, Newcastle beat Man United 1-0, um, Everton beat Nottingham Forest 1-0, Burnley beat the shit out of Sheffield United 5-0. So um, for some goal difference right there. <laughs> very good for some goal difference there for, for Burnley, um, who are still at the bottom. Um Brentford beat Luton Town three to one. And then Rachel, do you want to talk about Wolves Arsenal? Yeah, hold on. I was literally just pulling up the summary of it to be like, what the fuck happened in this game? Um yeah, I mean this was relatively routine for Arsenal. Uh we had there are two goals. We scored two goals super early. Really, really nice team goals, like some of the nicest goals I've actually seen Arsenal work this year. Um, and then I, we kind of just posted to the end like mm-hmm. I think we took our foot off the pedal a little bit too quickly Wolves scored a goal in like the 86th minute and I think that like we should have had a third between yeah. our second goal and that point and yeah. it wasn't like we weren't really creating it was almost just like we just stopped pushing as much as we were pushing in the beginning and sure. I mean I get it. It's like not super worrisome. I just I think that they're probably all aware that like oh shit. But like yeah, um, it was a pretty confident win, even though the scoreline was two one. I just think uh, it would help my blood pressure if Arsenal, you know, scored yeah. goals. Um, but we looked good. Um, and we have a couple of I don't even remember who was in the lineup. There are a couple of like random little injuries but we have our like top three back in Trissard has nicely slotted into the midfield which I had been saying we should do for however long ago um and no one listened to me so that's good uh and yeah I don't know we I kind of feel like we're just like plugging along I'll talk about this more when we talk about the next their next game but yeah I don't know it just feels like it's just like we're moving and um sure Honestly, I'm pretty happy to be in that spot. It feels less up and downy than it maybe could be. I don't know. It feels relatively fair enough. So yeah. Um. Okay. So Sunday's games: uh, Bournemouth and Aston Villa. Can I say tied. something about these games? I think this may be like the highest scoring day of football I've seen <laughs> really long. Yeah, time. there were a lot of there were a lot of goals um on Sunday. Um, but Bournemouth and Aston Villa tied 2-2. Uh, Chelsea beat Brighton 3-2. Um, another decent result for Chelsea. Brighton are, have had a bit of a also Chelsea a had a red. Patch. Chelsea got a red card in the 45th minute, and mm-hmm. so and they were up 2-1 then. So they scored another goal. Yes, they scored a penalty kick in the second half. No, Brighton scored a. Oh yes, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, Chelsea scored a penalty. Sorry, Chelsea scored a penalty. Um but a good that's a yeah. good win um from with a man down for the entire second half. Yeah, I was gonna say it was it was a good performance though. 
someone after the game was like, it wasn't like Chelsea looked good. And I was like, what? So, I think Brighton Brighton are having a bit of a hard time after a really good start to the season. Yeah. Um, we'll see how that continues to pan out, but they've definitely fallen off um, a, a little bit in recent times. Um, Liverpool beat Fulham 4-3. This was a pretty this was a all-over-the-place game. game. I yeah. turned this game on like 75th minute and see three goals in the span of like eight minutes. Yeah, um, Fulham was up 3-2 uh, at the 80th minute, and then Liverpool scored um, in the 87th and then 88th minute to ultimately yep. win the game. Um, so, you know, some some drama there um, in Liverpool-Fulham, but Liverpool, Liverpool's back rolling again a little bit. I will say Fulham um, actually looked quite good in this game too. I feel like they, I don't know, haven't been having as strong of a season maybe as they've Yeah, had. we'll talk about... But, we'll talk about Fulham when we talk about the midweek games, yeah. um, but Fulham do seem to be fighting their footing a little bit after uh, a rougher start than we maybe would have expected yeah, from them. Yeah, they're kind of rolling into the season a bit, and you can kind of see that a little bit more. West Ham, Crystal Palace tied 1-1, and then that brings us to City Spurs. Here's the thing about City Spurs. That's um, okay, yeah. Spurs is kind of Pep Guardiola's kryptonite. I don't, like, know what the deal is, but we always drop points with Spurs. Like, it started in that Champions game where you lost in, like, the last, like, minute or something. Oh, and then then Sterling had the goal, VAR called back offsides. Yeah, no, I remember that very distinctly. But I'm saying... But yeah, Spurs is um Spurs is a bit of a it's a bit of a jinx uh for City. So I will I will say straight up off the bat that I did not expect a ton from this game because of that. Um just because we seem to for whatever reason have a hard time with them generally and with what Postacoglu has been doing with Spurs, I had a feeling it was going to be something like what we ended up seeing um which ended in a 3-3 draw. Um very back and forth you know um Spurs you know we felt like maybe we'd won it in the 81st minute when Jack Grealish scored but then uh Kulishevsky scored at the 90th minute um this was City's third straight tie they had tied Chelsea and then Liverpool and then Spurs so three straight ties is not typical for City um and really what has been frustrating for me through this patch is uh two things one City's been giving up a lot more goals than they typically do yeah I will say this about that though I this sounds counterintuitive really but to me it makes sense so let me know if this sounds nonsensical. okay but I have not really been like horrifically concerned about giving up goals I'm not happy about it because no one's ever happy to give up goals I've not been horrifically concerned about it because many of the goals are coming off of like one-off kind of out of character like mistakes right like it's a give up of a ball or a mistimed tackle or you know a loose ball that city don't normally these players are not typical so like Ruben Diaz for example has had a pretty tough stretch of games um, where he's been making uncharacteristic mistakes now, that's not typical of him. He doesn't usually do that. So while it's concerning in the short term, I'm not. it's not something I'm worried about long term. It seems to me like it's more just a little bit of a 
a dip in temp like a temporary dip in form which all players have now and again and I don't it's not that I in I don't think it's like an exposure of a larger like structural issue kind of thing if that makes sense like it just seems to be like a, a string of bad performances that are in a row which it, it happens sometimes to defenders um I have some larger scale things that I would change but I don't think like like l- let me just l- l- put it this way like it's a surface level problem not like a depth problem like like a structural problem uh, if that makes sense like I don't d- like d- are you kind of following what I'm saying like I, like it's not a like I problem so. with the system Pep is playing it's not a problem with like oh, we don't have enough players in this thing. It's just a bad stretch of form, like, which you can bounce back from. I don't think we need to, like, overhaul a system or, like, bring in a whole bunch of new players or, like, anything like that. Does that make sense? Like, I think so. I would say if a long, if it's a one-off thing and it starts happening many, many times, it's not a one-off thing anymore, is it? No, but I think, like, you know how how strikers have stretches where they just can't score for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. They're in little slumps. Defenders can have the same kind of thing. Okay. Like, I think it's just at the opposite end of the pitch. I'm not – put it this way. I'm not concerned about it yet. Okay. I, like, if it continues and continues and continues, then I will at some point become concerned about it. Sure. Um, I have other thoughts about actually where the problem is. I don't think it's at center back um okay yeah but I, I will talk you. about it okay yeah other <laughs> thoughts about where the there is a problem I just don't think that's where the problem sure. is okay that makes sense um part of the problem I think is that yes City scored three goals in this game they should have scored way more um Phil Foden had created a bunch of chances that didn't get finished didn't finish one or two of his own Holland while is scoring goals sometimes um I is not he missed the, I think I text did I text you during this game he's like missed, he missed a couple, a couple that you're missed like a couple oh, that he really should have scored like yeah. that's bad like not like oh like whatever like he was it's one of those right in front of the goal and he missed the ball it's like, like one of those things where it's like part of it is like because it's Holland it's becoming a bigger production than it like necessarily needs to yeah, be but, if any but also the ball, because it's Holland like you expect him to make to score more goals than he is right like he's still 50 goals in 50 games like or he has a right you know an average of a goal a game right yeah um so it's hard to be like poo poo you know but does is in a little bit of a should maybe be scoring be a city could be more clinical than they're being they're definitely not and it's not just holland either like it's important to put out point out like there are other players as well who should have done better than they did um in this game there were two particular things that i think didn't help city's case one um was uh jeremy doku came off earlier in the second half than anyone would have liked um he did pick up a little bit of an injury we don't have a ton of details on what that injury Mm -hmm. is even still um i don't think it's super serious but he did not was not in the squad for for the midweek game um so that was I think I love Jack Grealish and Jack Grealish did score but I think waiting a little bit longer being able to wait a little bit longer to make that change would I think have been beneficial for City because the way that 
Doku plays versus the way Graylish plays. So that was not great. And then City in general, I want to preface this by saying City should have put this game away well before it got to this point. Um, they should not have given up three goals. They should have scored well, very well, more than three goals. Sure. Um, is was certainly not City's best performance. That being said, in extra time, when it was three-three, um, the referee sort of inexplicably blew a play dead. Um, essentially, Holland had been fouled. He got back up, had possession of the ball still. The referee motioned his hand in the classic advantage you know, sort of play on. He gave advantage with his yeah. arms. Holland played the ball through. Jack Graylish was one-on-one on goal, and the referee then called it back for the foul after Graylish had received the ball behind the defenders. Just, <laughs> There's I, a I, lot I, to be said. Reality, I don't think anyone just really understands it. I went to see No, nobody really un- thing, and he yeah. was just like, what was going on? I was like, I don't well, know. I think- like- and it was one of those things where there were some there were some you know dickheads on on Twitter who were like, oh well, it's the referee's decision whether or not to call advantage. Here's the thing: had the referee called the play dead when the foul happened, like as soon as Holland was fouled, fine, that's fair enough. It's the referee's discretion whether or not to play advantage. The problem for me and for most City's fans was that he motioned advantage, waited until the ball was played. And then called it back. Right, and I sometimes sometimes they don't immediately call, or they call advantage, but then sometimes they call it back, call it back because, because the advantage doesn't actually because materialize. it doesn't actually yeah. happen. And I almost wonder, like, did he just think it wasn't material? Like, did he just like almost preemptively do it by accident, and like just wasn't? Yeah, and it, I, it like, was I feel like that. It was it was an an error. It was just it was just very error. clearly an error, right? Um, and I. It, it, I mean, I think this is the yeah. It's one of those things where it's like fact that that is just how it is. Sometimes, right? It's one of those. It's one of those things. Well, no, yeah, no, nobody really said anything afterward. Um, Pep's Pep's comments were along the lines of, "I'm not going to talk about the referees. Referees make mistakes. I'm not going to talk about the referees." Was basically Pep's, and that like we should have played better. Was like Pep's comments. Um, which I think at the end of the day, like most city fans that I have seen and that I know, and I will tell you that like this game should have been city should have taken care of this game far before it got to this point. Right. Like city did not tie the game because of this. Yeah. Would Jack Grealish have scored there? I don't, I honestly don't know. It's not like it was, maybe he might've, he was one-on-one on the goal, but Jack Grealish is also like, like I it's not like despite what we've just said about Holland sort of not being super clinical it's not like it was Erling Holland one-on-one on goal where he's like almost guaranteed to score you know what I mean like I think I like to think Jack Grealish would have scored that opportunity but I don't know for sure he doesn't get one-on-one on the goal very often right Um, you just you don't know you know you don't know you have no idea if he would have scored or not had he scored, it likely would have been the game-winning goal, given when yeah. it was. Um, but nonetheless, like I said, City should have put the game to bed far, far, far before this. Yeah. I think it's just another example of the larger issue of refereeing in the Premier League, which we have discussed multiple times um, throughout this year. Yeah. Um I suppose the only thing to to be reassured by is that it seems to happen to everybody. 
<laughs> so that's what it's like, seeming, is seemingly you know, happening like, is is that maybe it is just across the board so it's so <laughs> so like maybe it'll even itself out by the end of the year because it's happened to arsenal it's happened to liverpool it's happened it be, to it, you know it, it would be interesting for someone at the end of the season to try and calculate some of these things and, i'm sure somebody will yeah i don't um, i don't want to do it but, but i'll let someone else i say have it. no intention of doing it i'm sure somebody will but i think the only sort of positive you can take from it is that it does seem to be the particularly nonsensical calls seem to be happening to to everybody which is not good like the the amount of calls that are happening that are ridiculous is is not good but at least it's happening to all of us Woo. <laughs> like, you know that like better like yeah. I think that's the only if you're gonna try to put a positive spin on it I think that's about the only thing you can do um, possible thing yeah it's just another example of the of really the we've discussed the the Premier League's epidemic of refereeing. It's just another example of that. Um, yeah, but like I said, City should have put the bed uh, the game to bed far before it really became a game deciding decision. So yeah, um, well I'll sort of leave that at that. I don't really have anything <laughs> else to say. I'll talk more about I think what the larger issue at City is um, when we get to the midweek games. Um, do yeah. we want to just move let's right just, into those? Let's just move right in. Let's keep right, rolling. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Wolves beat Burnley 1-0 Luton and Arsenal I did not pay any attention to this game while it was happening because I was paying attention to the Women's Nations League games that were playing simultaneously which we will discuss I wasn't paying attention a bit later in the podcast any of the games um (laughs) But this was okay. this was quite a game. Um, I kind of wish I'd been watching. Um, Arsenal won four to three, but they scored at ninety plus seven. Um, I will just say Arsenal fans are out here, like making GoFundMe's to pay West Ham more money for Declan Rice because they think that we didn't pay enough for him, which I think is rather amusing. Well, but, he has bailed you out a couple of times. But he bailed us out um, when we played United as well. He's he's, he's scored a couple of. Beyond he scored a couple bailing, of game winning goals. Beyond him just bailing us out. Oh my god. Hi. The cat's more important than the duck duck and rice, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, podcast. Um, um but like it's not just the goals. He's just like someone said this after the game. He just slotted in like, yeah. so well. There was like no adjustment period really at all. Mm-hmm. Like nothing. Nothing happened. He just is part of the team. Now, I don't think that play, us playing Luton Town garnered a 70 plus 90 plus 90 seven plus minute seven. goal. I think that yeah. we should have gotten our shit together sooner. I would also like to say Kai Havertz seems to be uh, scoring goals now for us. Should like to say, yeah. I did say, be patient. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think at least two, if not all three, of Luton Town's goals came off of corner kicks. Maybe. So the other big thing to talk about here is this, that Di- David Vaya had a shit game. Like, when I say shit, like, I think the last two goals should have been saved. And everyone else kind of agrees. He doesn't have much confidence right now. And I don't know. I don't know what the better thing. Like, people are like, do you put Ramsdale in? Ramsdale did not look confident when we played Brentford at all here's my thing right is i feel like 
Arteta has created when we talked about this when they first brought Riot in and when I mean, he first I th- I think you know started Arteta's playing over Ramsdale. But I think this is fault. we're seeing now why you don't do that. Yeah. Because there was nothing wrong with the way that Ramsdale was playing when Riot first came confidence. in. Yeah. And had he continued to play after you brought Riot in, if his confidence had dipped anyway, then you could have brought Riot in. But now you've got two goalkeepers with no confidence because you brought one in he hasn't been playing well and the guy you benched now doesn't have any confidence because you benched Benched him for as far as anyone can tell for no reason yeah yeah sounds about right i think he he doesn't mess up often arteta with these types of things i think he messed up here and i think a lot of people are thinking that and I think Tim Howard was like, you you don't bench Raya here. Like, you have to keep playing him because you've chosen your goalie. Yeah. Like, you can't start flipping. Like, that's a bad idea. And, like, I I think that's probably... He's made right. his choice. He has to... I he made his bet. Right. He has to lie in but, it. But... but I think he... I Like, if if he... I think he has to go with Raya and, like, die in the hill type of thing. Like... Yeah. And if this is... Like, we're lucky that we scored four goals. We aren't going to get that lucky next week when we play Aston Villa or this coming yeah. week, you know, like, yeah. And I think then there's going to start being heavy, heavy critique of this. And there already has been. And I think that that is, I think everything else has clicked. And I think the one position that, you know, you don't want that to happen in it's, it's, you know, I yeah. think it's all over the place. Um, that being said, I think that, you know we're still playing well and we're looking good um but it's not it's not great having a goalie that you don't trust in the back with their feet when yep you or on set play pieces your entire offense out of your goalie like yeah and like Ramsdale is good with his like I, it's it's just infuriating because the reason why Raya came in was solely because he was better at long ball distribution it's the only seemingly possible thing that it could have been. To me, that's not a big enough reason to change your goalkeepers. Yeah. Especially as a team, when how much long ball distribution are you doing? Do you really need, yeah. You're not doing it. I get it. It might add another dimension, but you're not doing it. Yeah. And you're still not really doing it. It's not like they're doing it all the time now. I don't yeah. know. It's 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 a frustrating piece. To yeah. Arsenal team has been surprisingly unfrustrating. Overall. If you if you as the listener want to go back and hear more about what we have discussed in terms of Arsenal and Raya and Ramsdale and the goalkeeper situation, we have an episode um, uh, a little while back now that should be pretty identifiable by the title where we spent quite a bit of time talking about yeah. Yeah. Um, the the goalkeeping situation um, at Arsenal. Um, moving on to Wednesday's games, Brighton yes. beat Brentford 2-1, to one, Bournemouth meet Crystal Palace to nothing. Uh, Fulham beat the Daylights out of Nottingham Forest. That was five nothing uh, from Fulham. Um, two braces in there. Alexi Wobi scored two goals. Uh, Raul Jimenez also scored two goals. Uh, Tom Kearney had the uh, had the fifth. Uh, so that was a we we mentioned it a little bit brief briefly when we were talking about their game against Liverpool. But Fulham do seem to be finding a little bit of rhythm. Yeah. Now, yes, it, it's Nottingham Forest, but um, you know, not exactly the 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 most heavy hitter in the pool. But you know, five nothing is not an insignificant scoreline. That's um, that's a really good performance from Fulham, and they do seem to be to be finding their feet quite 
yeah quite a bit so. now yeah which is good we like we like Fulham um Liverpool beat Sheffield uh two nothing Man United beat Chelsea two to one um Scott McTominay scored both goals there he's um, somehow like on a yeah range I don't know yeah he's really kind of flying um which yeah may um, or may not be unexpected Probably. it's a little unexpected <laughs> um and then that brings us to uh city Aston Villa um Aston Villa beat Manchester City one nothing here um so that makes it three points in four games for City not a good stretch of things no um, there I saw something which I had to then walk and look at the table to confirm they're closer they're in fourth place right now they're closer to eighth place than they are to first place it's a six point gap from yeah, first which... place to them I just um is wild to me. Uh I have a couple I have a couple things sort of about this game specifically, large scale um about City that I have I have some thoughts on. Yeah. One, um, specifically to this game, I think the suspensions and injuries really hurt um City in yeah. this game. Rodri was suspended. This is the fourth game Rodri hasn't played this season. The City have lost all four. Um talk so I think that tells you <laughs> yeah, talk about a valuable player. That tells you a little bit there. Um, Graylish was also suspended for this game, which in and of itself wouldn't be an issue if not for the fact that Doku, as mentioned earlier, was also absent for this game. So we did not have um, a true left winger. So Phil Foden played at left wing. Um, Phil Foden actually played quite well. He plays well, um, you know, across all three positions um, in the front. Phil Foden, I will actually say, has been one of the only city players that has performed consistently well over the last stretch of games. Um, he's had good games. Not very many other people have. Um, Holland, once again, blanked. Um, not He, a little bit less blame on Holland and a little bit more credit to Emmy Martinez. Yeah, um, Martinez in this had a game. Good game. He had a couple of very, very, this was a fun game. I watched the highlights. This was a yeah, back I and think, forth game. Yeah, from a neutral perspective, I'm sure this was, yeah, a very, very entertaining game. Both goalkeepers, honestly, had very good games. Um, There were some really impressive saves on both at both ends of the pitch. Um, City, once again, I I always should have been better with their chances, but Emmy Martinez made a couple of really great saves, and um, Aston Villa did defend defend quite well. Um, I honestly don't think, unlike the last couple of games, City didn't defend horrifically here. Um, They didn't, definitely didn't defend their best. Um, But there's not um, any one person really, I feel, to blame for the Aston Villa goal. Um, It's a really good play from Leon Bailey. uh, And then it's also, you know, a bit of an unlucky deflection off of Ruben Diaz and the shot that sends it um, sort of the opposite way of Ederson, um, who had been moving in the opposite direction. is what it is I'm I'm not like it, it was coming though you kind of felt it um Aston Villa had a lot more of the ball and the possession than City usually grants other teams um I would put a lot of that down to Rodri not being present um he really dictates a lot of that tempo and a lot of that possession mm-hmm. um in the center of the park um but I'm actually going to diagnose the City issue with two players um who may not be who anyone expects me to name um coming on the podcast and two guys I think I don't know if this is a hot take amongst city fans um because I've seen other people but maybe people who don't think too much about city um what 
who I would like to see take a little bit of a break from the starting lineup. Let's uh, put it that way. Um, and the first guy is Julian Alvarez. Um, very good start to the season has definitely cooled off quite a bit in the last couple of games. I don't think he's provided much on either side of the ball here. And I would like to see somebody else come in. I'd like to see whether it be Phil Foden play in that role behind Holland um, with Graylish or Doku, you know, unsuspended slash uninjured um, and Bernardo on the wings, or if uh, Phil plays on the right and, and Bernardo plays in that sort of central role. Um, I think it's, it may be time for Alvarez to take a little bit of a break. I don't think he, he gives the ball up um, a bit too often. Um, he is not the only player. I, I've talked a little bit in the past about um, control versus uh, creative players on the city yeah. squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, he's a creative player. And I think that's okay. But when we are having issues with the number of control players that we have, that's maybe an instance where we can take him off the field. Um, so I would, I would say pull Julian Alvarez out. I don't think he is working very effectively right now. The other player that I think is actually, I feel more strongly about needing to come out is Kyle Walker. Um, and it's, it's a bit tough to make that sort of decision on my hand on my part uh walker is club captain he is still the fastest guy there if we're playing somebody with significant speed on the wing i still want him in the game yeah that being said i don't think we need him offensively i don't think he's contributing offensively the way that I would like somebody to be. I would like to see now that John Stones is back healthy or Rico Lewis uh, playing in that right back position. I think that I I don't want to see Alver, uh, when Walker plays, he mostly stays wide and stays on that wing and sort of overlaps whoever is playing on there. I would rather see that right back slide more centrally into the midfield role, which yeah. is what both John, St- John Stones and Rico Lewis do. Um, and I think that might be a little bit more effective. I also think it may be a little bit more solid across the back line, particularly if it's John Stones playing back there um, or even uh, a Kanji playing at right back and having Stones play at center back. I think mm-hmm. both of those would provide a little bit of solidity um, in a space where I think City kind of needs it right now. Yeah. I think I just think that the Kyle Walker benefits right now are not outweighing the benefits that we could be getting that makes sense. from that makes sense. Wa- from Rico Lewis or from particularly I would like to see John Stones. Um, yeah. I really I think was would he like in the to see John Stones. In that game? I saw a line he was. Up was so confused. Rico Lewis, okay. yeah. Rico Lewis and John Stones kind of played in a hybrid six. Okay, role-ish where both of them did John Stones occasionally dropped back into the uh defense to play almost a five in the back oh, um but they were both kind of playing uh, a sort of a six role without Rodri okay. there um which I thought was fine but I prefer Stones to be in the back four and to be able to step up into that yeah. six role as opposed to being in that six role step back. back into the defense yeah. Yeah, um so. that is my personal yeah. preference I like to go that from a back sense. four to a back three then from a back uh 
you know, sort of a double pivot into a back five. Yeah, um, is my personal preference. Yeah. Um, obviously that can't happen if Rodri is not in. So that there's that, but um, I, I think Kyle Walker is part of the issue. I don't personally think it would maybe be a bad idea to have Diaz and or Vardial rest a game or two and see Ake come back into the lineup. Um, I just would like to see a little bit of rotation while we are, while things are not quite clicking at the moment until we can sort of find everybody their form again, Um, especially as we're heading into the festive fixtures. I don't think we are super far off from seeing the return of Kevin De Bruyne, um, which will obviously be a big boost um, to City, which, you know, I'm obviously looking forward to, but I don't want to be in a position where we feel like we need to rush him back. I don't yeah. think we're there yet, um, or we're not there yet. Um, yeah. But if we don't sort of get a couple, get some wins in the next couple of games, I think we'll start to feel that pressure. Yeah. Um, and I don't want that pressure to be on De Bruyne. I think he's, we expect to see him back in January-ish, mm-hmm. um, has sort of been the expectation. Um, I think he's getting closer and closer. So I don't expect it to be, you know, I don't think there's enough I don't I don't know that there is enough time between now and when he would be coming back anyway for him to necessarily be rushed back, but I don't want to be concerned about him rushing back. Um, but I do think yeah. he will be back, you know, in the next two months. Um, I think he'll be back by February. Um, and that will certainly be a big boost. I also, you know. I expect some players to find their form again. Um, Yeah. You know, so all of this to say, I do think there's some problems going on. I think on a larger scale, longer period of time, we have proven quite a bit that we have a Rodri problem in the sense that we do not have anyone who can do what Rodri does. Um, I do think that if our defense was playing a bit better than they are right now, that... Uh, the sort of Stones Rico Lewis hybrid role would work fine in other circumstances, but that's not a long term solution to the problem. I do think yeah. we need to bring in a six. Um, the problem is, I think at the end of the day that Rodri is there's not a, there's not really any there's maybe one or two other sixes who are at his sort of caliber you know and none of them are players that we're gonna get um that we could even think about getting bringing in you know so I think it's it's gonna be the kind of thing is where we bring in somebody a little bit raw with a who needs a little bit of polishing um for Pep to mold a little bit and that's gonna have to happen sooner rather than later I would not be upset to bring in a young six um in January I if we don't bring one in in January, I would say that should be number one next summer um, for, on City's target list is bringing in somebody to mold to be the heir to Rodri. Or, yeah. lacking that, decide Rico Lewis is going to be the new six and let's start molding him into that. Yeah, right? I, I think you have to just, I think um, some decisions, I feel like almost some decisions need to be made and then it'll, it would be fine. I just think yeah. right now it's I think, a little bit in flux and I think just, just, it might seem daunting just just make the decision and just 
right I think and let it play out yeah I think that that's that that is very true at the end of the day we either need to decide we've got a player in our youth system whether that be Rico Lewis or somebody else who we're going to mold into this six or we need a six or you need to go buy we need somebody we need to go buy one um and whether that's a young player or somebody a little bit more established that Pep wants to tweak whatever that may be um we need to I think the biggest the biggest roster issues that he has is at that sixth position yeah, because there is nobody sense. else who really, especially with Gundogan having left, Gundogan could slide into that role last year. Um, and with him not there anymore, you know, we couldn't be. And maybe part of the thing is maybe De Bruyne is going to sit a little bit deeper as he gets older. Um, that yeah. could be something I could see happening as well. I personally, that's also not a long-term solution though. So yeah. um, we're just going to kind of have to see where it plays out. I do think that's part of the issue with City right now. Um, my last overall feeling um, is that sort of there are some city fans that are doing a little bit of catastrophizing right now. I'm personally not catastrophizing um, at all. Mm-hmm. It's December. We've said year after year after year after year, city is a second half of the season team. Yeah. Um, they hit their form in February and then they go on a roll. Um I don't know for sure that that's going to happen this year, but I don't know that it's not. I have no reason. Yeah. Immediately post-World Cup last year, uh, City had a bit of a slump in January, and they didn't look like they were going to win. They were eight points off the lead, and then they won. So I'm not freaking out. Let's not talk about that, okay? Let's just not mention that. Point being, like, I I am not sounding the alarm at this point. It was eight points, and we blew... To be fair, there have been similar gaps between some of the other seasons that City won and Liverpool at the top of the league. There was a there was a pretty big gap between on I think New Year's Day between Liverpool and City, one of the years that City ended up winning. Like it's not, I'm not super concerned about a six point gap in December. Like I mean, I'm you know, if City wins, secure with a six point lead in December so I like think if City I do think the whole thing the whole top section is more competitive this year than it was last year I yeah, think that's I, mean that, I think that's I, do, I think that's last true year it was just two teams. Um, this year it's, it's anyone there's a there's a bit of there's a little bit of a race going on I however like there's some City fans that are freaking out a little bit I'm not freaking out a little bit I'm not that worried about it I think if you know, if two months from now we still have a pretty large gap and we don't look like we're, you know, finding form again, like then it's time, then we can be a little bit more worried. But I am sure. not, I'm not super free. You're, you're not there yet. I'll, I'll put it yeah. that way. I'm not there yet. I'm not at the point of the season where I'm starting to have any doubts. Um, there's always a chance Pep brings somebody in in January who, you know, we don't even know to think about yet. Um, or that De Bruyne comes back and goes on a fucking rampage. Like there, we, there's no reason to think that he won't come back and just tear it up. Um, you know, and, and that might not be the case. Maybe he'll come back and not, and need to settle in for a couple of years. Like, we don't know, like, but he might come back and be like, fuck it. We ball, you know, like I just, there's a lot of question marks. Um, and I'm just not, I'm not alarmed. It's definitely not there yet to be like city is whatever um yeah. let's just cover their games today Everton beat Newcastle 3-0 yeah somehow with a 10-point deduction are now not in relegation which blows my mind good job Everton I guess I don't know how that worked um not sure what's going on with Newcastle 
And not sure what's going on with Spurs. They just lost 2-1 to West Ham. Yeah. Today, wonky. Spurs has gone from first place to nine points off first. Yeah. Never didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, wild. Wild, to say the least. The table is freaking tight as all hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotta love nobody it. is yeah nobody is really running away with anything right now um which we kind of alluded to earlier there's a lot there's I mean, a lot the gap to be that, there's a gap there's a gap that exists between west ham and chelsea for ninth mm-hmm. and 10th that kind of splits the table mm-hmm. in my mind and then you have west ham to man united to to tottenham honestly 24 points to 27 points and then you have the top four of the table, which is 30 points to 36 points. Mm-hmm. And the bottom all this... is insane. Mm-hmm. All this to say there's a lot. There's it's a gonna lot be... of football to be played. And I think that uh, we'll just keep uh, watching and hopefully wild things. Yeah, we are. It makes it fun for us to then talk about. If all yeah, the we're... things that were supposed to happen happen, this podcast wouldn't be very interesting. Exactly. So uh, a lot of stuff to unpack um, in the Premier League in the coming weeks. A lot of um, things to think about. Um, City plays Luton Town uh, this Sunday. I am, they're, they're, they're a hard team. <laughs> I, am, I am actually headed to uh, Manchester City is on the U.S. trophy tour right now. They have all three of their trophies and taking them around the U.S. And they are in D.C. this weekend, and I am registered to go uh, to go watch the Luton Town game at Union Station. Wait, they're playing in the U.S.? No, no, no. The trophies are in the U.S. Oh, sorry. Like the Champions League, the Premier League, the FA Cup. The trophies are in the U.S. Um, So I am... Did they travel the trophies around? That's not something I realized happened. Yes, they are. They travel the trophies around. So, yeah, so I am headed there... um, at, for a 9 a.m. kickoff um I think I'm gonna go I'm planning on going Have fun. it's always possible I end up not going um but uh to go you know sort of watch the the game with a bunch of other city supporters um and stuff like that and then uh see the trophies so um yeah. if you are listening to this and you are going to um to the thing in DC this weekend let me know um but be no one but which will be no one, but I'm throwing it out there anyway. Um, I will be there probably. to champion champ, Champions League. Yeah, Champions so League, I'm trying to move us forward. Champions League was last week. Um, so we are five games in now. Um, a lot, a lot has been sort of decided from. Um, match day four to match day five um we saw let's go back Tuesday uh Lazio beat Celtic 2-0 uh Shakhtar beat Antwerp 1-0 Atletico Madrid beat Feyenoord 3-1 um this is where things get interesting in that group of death group F (laughs) uh Paris uh PSG and Newcastle tied 1-1 and then Dortmund beat Milan three to one um so we'll talk about where the standings are in a second but that kind of um shifts some things around quite a bit in group f which was already anybody's game but some things um have changed wild, um, wild. man city beat leipzig three two 
uh, Young Boys beat um, Red Star Belgrade to nothing, um, and Barcelona beat Porto two to one. We move on to the Wednesday games. Uh, Galatasaray and Man United tied three three. This was a bit of a funky, a funky one um, uh, to say to say the least. <laughs> United was up and. Galatasaray came was, back. Was up 3-1, and yeah. uh, Galatasaray came back to tie it 3-3. Yeah. Um, quite late, I believe. Or, I guess not that late, 71st minute. Like, late-ish. Late-ish. Um, PSV beat Sevilla 3-2. Um, most notably about this game is the, the game-winning goal from PSV was scored by American Ricardo Pepe in 90-plus-2. Yes, it um, was. Sevilla did have two players sent off, um, but one was at 90 plus eight. So um, really only one player sent off. Um, yep. Copenhagen drew Bayern Munich 0-0. Zero, zero. Ballers. Uh, They're ballers. That's why. Oh, well, yeah. Copenhagen. Yeah. Um, Arsenal beat the shit. Also ballers. Of, uh, My team's were doing so well. I mean, it's nothing. This, I will say this was a because uh, Lons beat us. In the first round, and this mm-hmm. I think was just Arsenal being like, let's not get confused. Let's not mess around. Yeah, let's, let's not, not get it twisted. About who let's nobody get it twisted. Team. Nobody get it twisted. Yeah. Let's just not. Um, like, we we get it that you thought that you were good, but no. Um, it's nice to see Arsenal score six goals. I feel like we don't score that many goals that often. So mm-hmm. I am um, pleased we are moving on. First time in like right. a billion years. So. Real Madrid beat Napoli for two to no one's surprise. Bellingham scored a goal in said game. It's never um, was he ever even injured? I thought he was supposed to be gone for a few a little while. One and game. Just I exactly right. Maybe two. This man is. Anyways, okay. um, Braga and Union Berlin tied one one. Um, Benfica and Inter Milan tied three three, and then Real Sociedad drew. Uh, Salzburg zero zero. So there's only one day left. Um, so there, but there are a couple of groups that still need to be decided. Um, group A being one of those. Bayern Munich has already won the group, but um, technically anybody else could still go through. Man United are going to need to win. They are currently in last place. Um, in their group, um, which is who are they playing though? They are playing Bayern. Yeah, well, Bayern... Which is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Because yeah. Bayern but, obviously are the best team in the group, but Bayern have already won the group, so they the don't have anything to, to play for. they need to win? Oh, because if they tie... Yes. Okay, okay, okay. They need to win. They need to win. Um, Copenhagen and Galatasaray, if either of those teams win, if First they don't... If either of those teams win, it doesn't matter what Manchester United does. They will go through. Um, so Copenhagen Man United wins. needs Copenhagen and Galatasaray to tie. Yeah. And they need to win um, in okay. order to go through second in their group. So they are not in a super good position there. Because um, I, I think hoping for a draw is a pretty... When both teams need both to win, want to win is yeah, a. I think it's not going to be. It's pretty wishful thinking. Um, and so, And they also need to beat Bayern. Um, which, as which, we said, Bayern don't need anything from this game, but they will have pride. Yeah, so. yeah. We'll see. See, we will see. Um, group B is already decided. Arsenal Ooh. have won the group with PSV going through in second. Hopefully, um, we can rest our players and don't have to worry about that game. 
yeah, Group C, uh, much like Group A, has a winner already decided. Real Madrid has won that group um, already. But it is technically still up in the air. Who is going to go uh, through second? Um, Napoli does have a three-point lead on Braga in second versus um, third. But they do play each other. So if Braga were to win, yeah. um, they have a chance to go through on Napoli. Um they'll they'd have to you know beat them by i think two goals oh two i think they just have to win two. Two, i think they have to win two nothing um okay. in order for that to for that goal difference to work in their favor i'm not 100 percent sure i'm bad at math where goal difference is concerned um but essentially uh winner takes all most likely in that game yeah. um a draw or a win sees Napoli through in second place. Group D um, is decided um, who is qualifying, but the winner of the group is still up in the air. Uh, Real Sociedad and Inter are tied in that group. They are both on 11 points. They are both going through, but who is winning the group is still um, will be decided on match day. Yeah. Um, and they uh, and they play each other. So winner takes all. Honestly, that's going to be a fun game. Like I know we are as like, which games to watch? That could be a fun one. That could be a fun one um, because when winner takes all in terms of the winner of the group and they will not, nobody wants to finish second when, if you are, you know, in general, but in general, if you're Real Sociedad or Inter Milan, you definitely don't want to finish second um, in yeah. your group, given yeah. who some of the other group winners are. Yeah. Um, group E, similarly, uh, Atletico Madrid and Lazio have already both qualified, but there is not an official winner of that group. Lazio, who is in second, could still surpass Atletico Madrid. Um, but uh, they do. Uh, they also play each other on yep. the final game. Another fun so, game. Are we gonna be having like ten screens up? Like, what am I? Yeah, we might have to. Like... We might have to go lasso show it. Um, you know, honestly, sometimes go... I'm like that. Honestly, might be the best choice. Just watch all. Of I love the Golasso show. If I'm not, if I'm not invested in a specific game, I love the Golasso show. Yeah, well, um, I'm not gonna be invested in any of these games because I'm not gonna need to watch the Arsenal game. So. Yeah, so uh, we'll be. That's another you know sort of interesting one towards the end of uh for the end of that one. Um, Group F, which I vaguely alluded to earlier, um, is hell of a group. Um, only Dortmund has now officially qualified from this group. Um, if anyone has been paying attention to Dortmund all season, would be and we're not on anyone's bingo card. (laughs) This group, the answer would be no. Like yeah, so Dortmund stupid. Like why? Now, interestingly enough, um, Dortmund have not technically won the group yet, no, um, they because haven't. they play PSG, and if PSG beats Dortmund at the final game, um, then they will both have ten points, and it will come down to goal differential. Um, which Dortmund technically has over PSG right now, so PSG. Would but if PSG wins, too. no, if PSG wins one nothing, they'll they'll be t- they'll. Um, they'll be tied on goal differential, but PSG will have beaten Dortmund twice, so they oh, will go. Okay, well then Dortmund really in terms of head to head. So if they tie, then Dortmund wins the group. Um, if PSG wins, if PSG beats Dortmund, then it doesn't matter what Newcastle or Milan does. If Dortmund, um, if they draw or they, oh, this hurts. If they head. draw or they lose, Newcastle or Milan are both with are both within catching distance of PSG. So if, for example, if Dortmund beats uh, PSG and anybody and they don't and Newcastle and Milan don't draw, then whoever yeah. wins Newcastle and Milan will go through. 
Yeah. If Newcastle, uh, if Dortmund and PSG tie, then it's going to depend on the score of the new of Newcastle Milan. Um, if let's put it this way, if Dortmund and PSG draw and Newcastle beats Milan, Newcastle will likely go through because of where goal difference sits right now. Um, but Milan would have to beat uh, Newcastle by quite a bit yeah. if Paris ties. This so, my head. yeah, it could go, it could really go in any direction. The only person who has qualified from Group F is Dortmund. Um, but they wild, will, everyone. but they will come out playing because they will want to win the group. Um, should be fun. Should be fun. Yeah. Um, group G, similar to some other ones, um, has already been decided as well as who is the winner in the second place. Um, Man City is going through in first, Leipzig in second. That is done and dusted. Done. There is nothing else uh, to be played for there. Um, group H is also still up in the air um barcelona are the only team to have qualified um but they have not yet officially won the group um they are three points up on porto right now so similar uh if barcelona wins then they win the group um or if uh, if barcelona just ties then they win the group because barcelona is not playing porto um but porto will porto and uh shakhtar can both go through um if one of them wins yep. if they both win it will come down to goal differential as always the champions league last group stages are not going to disappoint i don't think it's ever disappointed it's not going to no there's there's quite a few i think it's all but maybe two or three uh, i think three maybe of the groups still have we don't know who's going to finish first in the group um even if we know both teams that are going to go through so there's quite a bit to play for um in most of the groups in the champions league so um gonna be a little bit of a get of a chaotic um final match day between games when even are these games i think i'm gonna be at work they're next week no obviously but what time tuesday and wednesday I know, but like uh, twelve forty-five and three, the same time they always are. Ugh, I know. Ugh. I know. I don't know what you're asking. Like Champions League games aren't always at the same time. No, I'm trying to see when all the games I want to watch are at three, because Probably Arsenal. Three. Of course, As the good Arsenal, games are almost always at three. Of course, Arsenal. The game that doesn't matter, which is my team, is at twelve forty-five. Same with City. Look at us. Yeah. Well, on Wednesday, I'll just watch during work. Okay, let's move on because I'm hungry and also need to light Hanukkah candles. Yeah, so a couple miscellaneous topics um, to discuss pretty briefly. Um, first, because there's really not a whole lot to say about it. Um but the NCAA Division One National Championship um, was this past week. Stanford played um, FSU. FSU beat Stanford 5-1. It's the first time since uh, 2005 that Stanford has conceded more than four goals. Um, I think it's the first time since the 80s that they've conceded five. Um, so a bit crazy there. Impressive. Um, it is FSU's fourth national championship in the last, I believe, six years. Um, so a bit of a period of dominance for FSU. Um, the goal in that they gave up, FSU gave up in the final, is the only goal that FSU conceded the entire playoff run. 
Um, and they did end on an undefeated season. So some good stuff from FSU. I think we'll be seeing quite a few of those players in the next couple of years um, in various leagues um, throughout the world and on various yeah. national teams and things like that. Um, but yeah. worth worth noting uh, college soccer there. Um, in other sort of women's footy news, um, the U.S. women's national team played two friendlies against China um, this past week. Uh, Rachel didn't watch them. I did. So oh. I have not a ton not a ton to say about it, but it's the first sort of glimpse into what we may be seeing in the Emma era. Um, obviously, Emma Hayes era, was not coaching love, these teams. It. I already love that um, era. Yeah, obviously, Emma was not coaching these teams, and we are not sure how much input she has on anything. We know that... Emma is in contact with interim head coach uh, Twilight Kilgore, um, but we don't know, you know, how much of that is going on or what exactly is being is going on. But we talked briefly about this roster being exciting. It is a lot of um, young players uh, as opposed and sort of seeing what, you know, some people that we haven't seen before have to offer as opposed to some of the older players who were depending on how you want to look at it either left off because we already know what they're capable of or left off as a sort of precursor to us them being sort of moved out we don't yet know which one it's going to be i su- i suspect it's a mix of both depending on the player yep, um I some agree. are sort of going to be beginning to be phased out some um we're just not really we don't need to see them we know what happens yeah. there yeah. um but some some interesting people to be seeing um and some some fun play. Uh, Jaden Shaw, um, the I think she's 19 now. She just turned 19 um, from San Diego Wave. Um, had a very good, you know, sort of good season here. Um, she scored another goal. She scored on her debut and she scored again um, this past game. Um, Corbin Albert, who is the 20-year-old, plays for PSG, uh, made her de- debut um, this past cycle. Um, she's a midfielder, for those of you who are unfamiliar um, a lot of promise, I think, in there as well. Um, I'm very happy to see, you know, some players that are playing in Europe, um, you know, getting getting their licks in. Um, 18-year-old Olivia Moultrie, who is best known, of course, for suing the NWSL so she could play at 15, also made her debut. Um, NWSL Rookie of the Year, Jenna Nicewanger, um, made her debut in the first of the, of the two games and then played a full 90 in the second I am particularly excited about Jenna Nicewanger for one, because I like Gotham, um, but also because she's an outside back, but she's a very versatile outside back. I, she's been playing outside back. Yeah. At, I actually uh, know who she is and have seen her play. And I agree that she's good. Um, she is, uh, she's been playing at outside back at Gotham and outside back. If you've been following the U S women's national team is a, position that we've had some issues with in the last several years as in we've been converting we've often converted players who are not outside backs to play outside back um jenna nicewanger was a midfielder when she was playing at fsu uh, before she graduated um yes the fs she did win some national championships with fsu Mm -hmm. um but she played at uh outside i believe left back left back yes um she played at left back all year for gotham who won the championship she was rookie of the year um she is very she's a very sort of um modern style outside back in the sense that she gets forward a lot um and she cuts really sort of inside i really enjoy watching her play um i'm really excited i think she's a great sort of player for this new a new sort of 
era of the um, U.S. Women's National Team. The other thing I really find exciting about her is her ability on a dead ball. Um, she's quite good at set pieces. She took a lot of corners, she took a free kick. Um, she didn't score off the free kick, but it bounced around and it ended up being Jane Shaw's goal. Yeah. Um, and she and she hits them from outside the box. She will take pot shots, essentially, um, with both of her feet outside the box, um, which I think is something that this team sometimes misses. Um, so I'm very excited um, to see her make her de- debut and then play 90 minutes um, in the second game. So I'm I'm hoping to see more of Jenna Nyswanger. Um and honestly, I'm just excited to have an outside back because as I've mentioned before, that's been something we've seen a bit of an issue of. Um, but a lot of young talent coming through. Um, Trinity Rodman, obviously, we've talked about before. She was the only player to play in every single U.S. Women's National Team game this year. Yeah, she's looking um, good. She is looking good. Uh, Sophia Smith, um, you know, played quite a bit as well. We've had our, you know, our our, our ups and downs with Sophia Smith. Midge Purse uh, made a return to the national team after an MVP performance in the um, – NWSL final she played quite well um she also played at an as an outside back position Hmm. uh, when she came off the bench which is very interesting Mitch Purse is not traditionally an outside back um but I think there's some potential for her in that role especially if it's they're gonna play with outside backs that are bombing forward I could certainly see Emma Hayes converting her into being that sort of attacking wide outside back role I could certainly see that happening I think that's a very interesting you know sort of thing to say uh to see there sam coffee um also had a good stretch of games she scored her very first national team goal um which is fun for her she was very excited it was cute um but yeah ultimately i think the the moral we can take from these two games is um we are going to see things change under emma hayes which we already knew but i think the young players are very exciting yeah. Uh, and what I liked most about the way this, um, this, this sort of these two games was that we saw a national team that was high pressing and working to keep possession of the ball, playing possession based football with a high press, um, which I think part of our one of our biggest frustrations we had in the black coat era was that it never seemed like we played tactics that suited the players that we have. And that's one of the things that we've talked about before with national teams is that because right. you can't pick your players in the same way that you can with a club in a club format. Um, you have to mold your tactics to what you have available to you. And we both felt that black code did not do a very good job of doing that. Absolutely. At times. Yeah, um, and not. I think that this sort of high press, high energy possession um, is more well suited to the players that the U S has yeah. available in this younger pool. um and I think the younger pool looks very exciting and I'm I'm excited to see um it to continue to go in in the Emma era very exciting um I'm excited super excited too um I again haven't watched any of these games but I will the next time around you just have to tell me and I'll yeah be on it better um last thing is that Arsenal women are playing Chelsea women this weekend and that's gonna be a fun ass game. Yeah, we're hoping for um a reunion in the meet of my household um after a little bit of a rough week. The puppy Viviana that they just and bring them together. Yeah. Um so if you're not aware, uh the women's game is currently in the midst of Olympic qualifiers, um, various different tournaments that are functioning as Olympic qualifiers for the women's um Olympics, which is unlike the men's, a 
senior tournament. Um, but there is uh, a bit of a a bit of a funky situation because the women's only has twelve teams in the Olympic tournament. Which makes no sense to me. Which so is which is so goofy, but that's beside the point. But essentially, that means that the two finalists, um, as Europe only gets two spots. Now, they get three this year because France is the host. Um, but their two spots are for the Nations League finalists. Um, and uh, the Netherlands and England were in the same group. You need to win the group in order to get into the semifinals and have a chance to make it to the finals and therefore qualify for the Olympics. Um, England had lost, had dropped points to Belgium in their first game. And that really was the sinker. Uh, But essentially going into this final game, which were played simultaneously, uh, England was playing Scotland and the Netherlands playing Belgium. Um, the, The England needed to win by three or more goals. Then the Netherlands the won Netherlands by. by. Yeah. Needed to score three more goals than the Netherlands scored, essentially. Yeah. This was a kooky crazy um afternoon because also, we should England, say that won... England was playing Scotland, the team who, if England got to the Na- Nations League final, would then be allowed to bring players to the Olympics. Also, yes. Added. So England was chosen as the player t- as the team to qualify on behalf okay. of Great Britain. Yeah. Because Great Bit Great Britain competes at the Olympics, not England. Yeah. So which is weird, that makes everyone. sense. No, um makes but no sense. nonetheless, nonetheless, Great Britain competes at the Olympics, not England. So although it would likely have been largely the England squad with a couple of Scottish players. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's a whole separate issue. It is. Um but England uh, needed to win by three more goals than the Dutch won by. Um, so let's set the scene. England's up three nothing. England's up four nothing. England is up five nothing. Heading into extra time, the Dutch are up two nothing. So five nothing does it for the English. Viviana Miedema comes on the pitch. Mwah, love of my she life. Comes off the bench. Uh, Beth Mead scored her, scored one of England's goals, her first goal back since yep. her ACL injury. Very exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Viviana Miedema spells the end, as she normally does, as, as she, she comes off the does, bench for the Dutch. <laughs> In extra time, it becomes 3 nothing. So now England needs to score one more goal in their extra time. And then they do. Lucy Bronze scores in extra time to make it 6 nothing. So it's 6 nothing. They're through. Game ends. The Dutch game is still going on. And then and then it happened. The Dutch scored <laughs> another goal to win 4 nothing and kill England um, hopes of the Olympics. So it is now done to the final four of the Nations League. Um which is Spain, the Netherlands, France, and Germany. Now, I mentioned France has already qualified. So it will either be, if France loses in the semifinals, it will either be the first two qualifiers, or if France makes it to the semifinals, it will be the winner of the third-place game, um, will qualify for the Olympics. So either Germany, two of Germany, Spain, and the Netherlands um, will go through. So that does mean a perennial um, boogeyman Sweden also does not make the Olympics. Yeah. Um, the field 
doesn't look bad for an Emma Hayes debut with the U.S. Women's National Team. No, it's because like how um, good teams are allowed to be in it. I think that they need to change this, or as you floated, not make this a senior competition anymore. Because I think if there's twelve teams, it's this not is a bit of a hot take. This is a bit of a hot take. take. I but my hot, hot take is I don't think it is that I don't think I think we have surpassed the point where we need the Olympics to be a senior tournament for the U.S. Women's National or for the for the women's, women's national team, team levels, yeah. um, be, especially because the Women's World Cup and the Olympics are always in back-to-back years. And I just don't think we're at a point where we need a senior tournament. Now that the Euros and uh, the global America are both massive, will be big competitions. And there's, the, women and the well, women's the Olympics don't need to be. And they're bringing in a women's gold cup. And yeah. I just think that the way that the women's game has developed um, now that there are very few, if any, um, other than maybe like a club world cup, um, there are very few, if any men's tournaments that do not have a women's tournament yeah. um, that I just don't think we really need to be doing a senior tournament for the Olympics um on the women's side I don't think I have would have no problem with transitioning um into it being an under 23 team uh tournament for the women as well do it set it up exactly the same as the men it's a 16 tournament a 16 team under 20 under 23 tournament you get two or three however many it is overage players um and then leave it at that I don't think I don't think with the 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 amount of issues we're already having with um, you know, players playing too many games and, and you know, conflicting schedules, you know, with both the NWSL and the Australian League um, at the very least play, you know, in summer windows, you know, when um, when the Olympics happen. I don't think, I don't think it needs to be a senior tournament anymore. I think I we agree. can I agree with you. move away from that. I don't think, yeah, I don't think, and I think that would solve a lot of the issues of of the ridiculousness of qualifying right now because you're right like it's absolutely ridiculous that world cup fine like three of the four world cup semi-finalists were from europe yeah and two of them the dominance there and i think it has to be noted and two of them are not going to be neither sweden or England. england one of the world cup finalists yeah will not be in the Olympics. And that's not to say that, you know, if you don't make it through qualifying, boohoo, we should change it. But just that, like, the number of teams I just in... think there needs to be 16 teams. If there's 16 yeah, teams there's on the men's side, there should teams. be 16 teams on the women's side. Yeah, and I also it's think this would easy. become less of an issue if it were a youth tournament, because there would be less, like, mm. And it would also yeah. get eyes on some younger players i think it's there's a, a lot idea. of under three there's a lot of under 23 talent i mean i think frankly the u.s under 23 team is good most of the u.s national team <laughs> i agree and I england agree. has quite a few under 23 players as well you know yeah. lauren james lauren have those those players yeah. would all i think qualify. it's a really good idea i think we should seriously consider it and as we i mean the national or international the governing bodies the the governing bodies should consider um why do we still need a space in your corner we don't is the answer i've decided i've made the decision on my own so that's our hot take of the week 
Yeah. Um, is that women's Olympics should be an under 23 tournament, just like the men's. Yes. Um, so we will, leave, I think we'll we will leave, leave it off that. there um, on that spicy take of the week. And we will see you back next week um, after uh, this weekend's Premier League games, as well as uh, the final round of the group stage of the Champions League. Yes. Um, and yeah, we will we'll see you next week. Bye. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week on Kicking Balls.